Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of I Believe Now What? I hope y'all are having a wonderful week out there. If you are new to this podcast, we are a podcast that is just pretty much all things Christianity. We do topical Bible studies, verse-by-verse Bible studies. We cover various Christian topics. We'll cover current events and how it relates to Christianity pretty much all around. Each episode's a little bit of its own thing. With that being said, if you haven't looked at the title of this message yet, we are going to be talking about Christianity on social media, most specifically on TikTok, and then getting into that topic of why do we believe what we believe and what is the evidence that we even believe, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, It'll make sense once we line up and go through this. So... Pretty much, uh, I've been so busy these past two weeks. We've been in the field nonstop, and I got a one-day break, so I'm back home recording this episode. If you didn't know, I'm in the Army, so we do a lot of field-time training. So I came back for this one day, and I want to do this episode because a few days ago, I uploaded a TikTok video. Let's actually backtrack from that, all right? So if you do not know what TikTok is, it is a social media app similar to Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Now, I am not a huge social media guy, uh, and actually at one point I deleted every bit of social media I ever had, but then I thought about how we could use this social media to glorify God. So I re-picked it back up. So honestly, if you ever go on any of our social medias or even my own personal social media, it's all about God. And by the way, we do, this podcast does have a Facebook page and a Twitter account. So if you have any comments or you want to talk about anything, just hit us up on there. And I do have my own personal TikTok page. I didn't name it after the podcast just because yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a thing or not. But it's called Saved by the Savior. I think it's a great great title to go ahead and throw down for a channel page. But anywho, I started TikTok about, you know, during the quarantine phase, just like most people were. I had no idea when this social media came out. And honestly, I was pretty abrasive to it at first. My wife downloaded it during the quarantine and she would just stay up all night watching these videos laughing. And I honestly didn't like it because from what I had heard about it, it wasn't all that great. Uh, But I trust my wife and I trust her discernment. So I know she's not looking at anything that she shouldn't be looking at or anything that could possibly corrupt her mind. But I came across a friend who actually has that app, a very good Christian buddy of mine. And he told me, actually, there's a lot of Christian topics on there. So it got me curious. So what did I do? I downloaded it. I made an account and I started looking at some of this Christian content on there. And obviously, uh, if you've been on it before, it's kind of a mixed bag. You need to know your Bible because you can only upload a video that's about one minute long. And in one minute, you have to pretty much get your point across unless you want to make multiple videos, which I don't know if that's effective or not. But you pretty much have to get your point across, keep it in context, and say what you want to say all in one minute. It's kind of a tough order, especially when you're talking about theology and putting things in context. Because one of the dangers of that is obviously doing that thing where you use one verse out of the Bible and you can completely throw it out of context. People do it all the time. And if you know me, if you've ever listened to my sermons, if you have ever listened to this podcast, for the most part, I will always tell you, and I truly believe this, don't just take the preacher's word for it. Look it up yourself. Read before, read after, 
Um, write it down so that way when you get back home from church or whatever you're doing, you can go back and reference that because you don't want to just take someone else's word for it. Read it for yourself. Let the Spirit discern for you on how you want to, on how you need to really, not want, but need to interpret that. So anyways, I was uh, in the field. And I'm trying to backtrack to where I was. So I was in the field and I had some spare time. So I'm like, well, you know what? Let me make a TikTok video. I haven't made one in a while. And I saw a Christian TikToker who asked this question. And this is one of those things you can do on TikTok if you're not familiar. It's called stitch a video where somebody says, hey, respond to this. And then you can press that stitch button and make your own video responding to what they said. And this particular person said, name a verse in the Bible that made you shut up. So I thought back to my own personal testimony, which I've shared on here before. But if you did not know, thinking back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And if you don't know what that is, I'm going to read it for you right now. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out many demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, if you've heard my testimony before, you will know that this verse shook me to my very core. I grew up in a Christian home and a Christian family, and I said a prayer, the sinner's prayer, at a very early age in my life. I was about seven, six, seven years old. I can't remember the exact date, um, but I do remember the time frame where I was, what I was doing. And they gave an altar call. I went up there. I said the sinner's prayer. And, you know, that was it. Done deal. Got baptized a year later by my local church and signed, sealed, delivered. Done. Well, the only issue was is that my life was not reflecting the life of a Christian especially in my teen years and my early 20s, I was living like the world. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Just like the book of Judges says, I was doing what was right in my own eyes. And I was not looking to God all the while while professing Christ, uh, professing that I was a Christian, kind of like what Titus says. I was professing Christ with my mouth, but I was denying him by his actions or by my actions. I was quoting the verse there. <laughs> but I came across this verse when I was about in my mid-20s, and it eventually ripped me to my core. I, I remember I broke down crying, and I just knew that the Lord was going to tell me, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. And the funny thing was, at that very moment, that's when I really truly believed that I was saved, and I came to a real belief in Christ Jesus and placed my faith in Him, because I had no fruits in my life whatsoever. I was proclaiming Christ, but I had no signs that I was a Christian whatsoever. You could look at my life. I was not repentance of sins. My mind was not changed on things. I knew they were wrong. I just didn't care that I was doing them, even though I knew they were wrong. But after that moment, my life was changed. The guilt that I felt from all my sins, the life I was living, and then after that, Things just started changing. Things I used to watch, I stopped watching. Words I used to say, I stopped saying. Actions I used to do, I stopped doing. My life was completely different. And essentially, I was explaining that in this one-minute video. Uh, obviously much shorter and condensed. So in this video, I mentioned that. And for the most part, 
this was probably one of my, like, in a mini way, it went kind of went mini viral. In about eight hours, I had over 150,000 views on it, and I had so many positive responses and people just giving affirmations and people saying, this is the same story of me, you know, um, just so many awesome positive reactions and comments about how the Lord changed their lives through this verse, just like it did me. But of course, with that, you had your few apples who wanted to stir up some controversy. And no, I am not talking about atheists. I'm not talking about agnostics. I'm talking about other self-believing Christians. There was a couple of your snarky atheists on there who wanted to say something. That's fine and whatever. I just delete those comments because they're not edifying. Uh, now, if you do challenge me on things that I post on TikTok, I really, for the most part, don't delete it because I, I'm, all, I'm all about challenges. Make me explain why I believe what I believe. And a few of these uh, things that brought up some concerns. One, some people were saying like, hey, Tim, I don't understand what you're saying here. I thought we were saved by faith through grace. But it sounds here like it's talking about works. Well, obviously, this verse is pretty much saying that, that people, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And we perform many miracles in your name? And he's going to say, declare to them, I, he's going to declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So obviously what Jesus is saying here, these people that are saying that, they were relying on their works. They were relying on their works to get to heaven, which is not the way. We are saved by faith, period. So I had to go on and make a response video just to make sure I made that point clear. Um, and obviously for the most part, I received a lot of positive comments on that as well, saying, oh, your intent was clear. And other people were saying, oh, thank you. You cleared this up. Uh, and in that, I pretty much said, hey, look, uh, I don't want anybody to be deceived or anything like that. We are saved by grace through faith alone, period. Belief in Christ. That is it. That is how we are saved. That is how we are justified. The just shall live by faith. Romans 1 reference right there. But there was another group, particularly a, just a few people who were really rallying on how I was essentially not a Christian because I did not interpret this verse correctly and my faith was fake and I was trusting in my works when clearly I said I did not trust in my works. I don't know how you get that. But there was a couple who really wanted to make that point. So I, I got straight down in the comments and asked them, which if you've ever been in a a comment, I don't even want to say debate, but just a back and forth uh, on TikTok between comments. It's very miserable because one, you can't, there's a character limit, so you can't really type that much. So you can't get across what you say and it doesn't get filtered out correctly. It's kind of nuts. So I try to stay away from that as much as I can because it's just, you know, too difficult sometimes. But some of this stuff I just couldn't let go. And I had to make it clear. I wanted to make it clear and ask them straight up, like, what are you saying? They're saying that your works do not prove your faith. And I was like, okay, you're saying something a little different here. If you were telling me that you thought I was saying we're saved by faith plus our works, I'll go ahead and tell you all day long, no, I do not believe that. That is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Once again, saved by faith through grace, not of works. Ephesians, 2, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, read that, and that'll clear all that up for you. That's exactly what I believe. But then they went on to tell me, yeah, but you were saying that you knew you were saved based off of your 
current works. And I'm like, well, obviously, if you're saved, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And through that, you're going to live a changed life. You are going to produce fruit. You are going to have good works that come out of that changed life. And they absolutely refused to believe that. To one point, one person even went on to make a video of my video calling me a false teacher and implying that I am not a Christian based upon my interpretation of this passage, which I wasn't interpreting anything. I was just giving a testimony, but pretty much calling me out as a false Christian because I was trusting in my works as evidence of salvation. I, you know, and I actually wrote that guy on his video and I'm like, hey man, like you you know, wanted to, you know, talk about my beliefs, you could have messaged me first instead of just making this video and we could have talked it out. And I think you'd see that we were closer than we really are far away. He wasn't really trying to have that. And he even had to add on the little comment saying, your good works don't, aren't evidence of your faith. Uh, If you believe that you have a severe problem with the Bible, and this is what I'm really leading into here. If you truly believe And I asked these people a couple times, straight up, tell me, do you believe that when you become a Christian, you can show no outward signs, period, and still be considered a Christian? And they just kept beating around the bush. They wouldn't answer me directly, but just kept coming back with, your works don't prove your salvation. I... I just didn't, eventually I just stopped responding because I saw there was no change in their mind and I just had to sit aside and pray for them. But essentially, I I just don't see how that's biblical. There are so many verses, and we're going to go over some, that talk about how we as a Christian, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And through that new creation, we have a changed life. We have a repentant mind. The things that we used to love to do, we don't want to do them anymore. Instead, we want to please God. And through that comes good works. And those good works are not of yourself. Those good works are because of God. Let's go ahead. Uh, I referenced it earlier. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And I specifically want to throw verse 10 in there because that one often gets overlooked. I'm pulling it up right here just to make sure I don't misquote anything. While I have that verse, pretty much that section memorized, I never, ever, ever, and this is just a personal note, side topic, I always want to go back and actually read it when I'm going to get deep down with y'all. And anytime when I'm preaching a sermon, even if I have that verse super memorized, I want to read it because you know that game. I've done it before where I've memorized a Bible verse and hadn't looked at it for a while and then somehow it kind of morphed a little bit. Don't ever want to get caught in that. Anyways, digressing on. Ephesians 2 chapter 8 or chapter Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Amen. For we, this is verse 10 here, the one that always gets overlooked. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So how are you going to tell me that a Christian, when they believe, they will have no evidence, outward evidence or good works from being a believer? It's just, it it baffles me. Uh, It is very clear in the Bible that we will produce fruit, and those fruit are good works. Let's check out another passage. 
we're going to read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And I actually did a sermon on this, and it was pretty much basically on the topic that we were talking about today. I'm going to read it all out to you right now. Jesus says here, this is Jesus. He's saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. All right, let's stop right there. All right, so Jesus is saying that every branch that does not bear fruit, what are fruit? Fruits are the results of our salvation, the, the, the growth process, the works that we do is the fruit. I don't think you'll find a scholar that's reputable at all that will refudiate that. He does not bear um, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that may bear more fruit. All right, continuing on to verse three. You are already clean because the word of which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So here Jesus is saying, look, if you are not in me, if you're not abiding in me, if you're not walking in the spirit, if you are not truly saved is what he's saying, then it is impossible for you to bear good fruit. You cannot bear good fruit unless you are with me. A branch of itself cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. And what does he mean by you can do nothing? You can do nothing that pleases God. You can do nothing, period, apart from Christ, especially when it comes to salvation. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, this is not talking about losing your salvation because obviously you can't do that. Jesus makes that clear, especially right here in the book of John in many different parts. Look at John 6, John 10. Continuing on, what he's talking about are people that had a superficial belief. This is pretty much the seed that was sown amongst the uh, rocky soil and the seed that was sown amongst the thorns. They didn't bear any fruit. They were ripped up. If it was the rocky soil, it was ripped up and burned away, scorched by the sun. Wind came over, blew it away. If it was the one in the thorns, they were quenched by the things of this world. That's what the thorns are. The riches of the world deceived them and they absolutely sucked the life out of them pretty much and they bore absolutely no fruit. Jesus is saying here that those types, they were never truly saved in the first place. They are dried up and thrown into the fire. Continuing on in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I has also loved you. Abide in my love. And here's a key right here. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, Jesus is not saying that you have to do these things in order to earn your salvation. No, what he is saying is that if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. The reason why is because we are enabled to do these good works by the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to keep his commandments. But we keep his commandments because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not you who's doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit enabling you to do the work. 
So he's definitely not talking about faith plus works. It's all faith alone. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is probably one of the best sections of verses when I, I talk about this topic because as a true Christian, as a believer, we are going to have a changed life. I keep saying that, but I don't feel like I can say it enough, especially based off these conversations that I was having. Our life will be changed. And through that changed life, it is going to have an outward manifestation. It's going to have an outward flow. I think the preacher, uh, actually missionary, Paul Washer, he does preaching too, but Paul Washer said it best in this famous analogy. And if you've ever heard of Paul Washer, you probably heard this, but I'm going to go ahead and repeat it in my own way anyways. He pretty much says, Go ahead, let's take an analogy here. Say I'm preaching in a church. I'm supposed to preach in a church this Sunday, your local church. And then I show up to that local church late. And I pull up in, I'm like an hour late. And the pastor, the head pastor's there and he's like, hey, brother Tim, like, why were you late? Did you not appreciate the fact that we're letting you, you know, speak to our church and all this stuff and you have the audacity to show up late? And then I go and tell him, oh, man, Pastor so-and-so, I tell you what, I was driving here and then I got a flat tire. And so I went out to go change the tire. And as I was changing, one of the lug nuts fell off and I, it went into the road and I went to go pick it up from the road. And when I looked up, there was a 15-ton log truck just barreling towards me. And it hit me head on, smacked me, bam, flew across the road, it was all bloody and beaten. Uh, and then I pull up into the uh, church and pretty much tell him all this. And then he goes to me, what? Dude, you're a liar. You're a liar. I'd be like, why? Why am I a liar? He's like, look at you. My suit's all fine. My hair's still all good. You know, all these, the, the outside looks perfectly fine. I don't have any broken bones. I'm alive. And the pastor's just like, you're lying to me right now. How could you lie to me? I'm like, why? Why am I lying? Why don't you believe me? And the pastor says, there is no way that you can be smashed into by a logging truck and have no outward signs or appearance of it. You look perfectly fine. And then I would go, then why do so many people believe that they can have an encounter with Christ Jesus and believe in him, but yet show no outward signs of change? What's more powerful? Jesus or a logging truck. And that's what it really boils down to. Now, if Paul Washer was ever listening to this, which I doubt he would, he's a very busy man. Uh, uh, hopefully I did that analogy justice, but it's so true. If you are a believer, if you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you are going to be changed on the inside. And from that inside, it is going to flow out into your outward life. Like I said, if you used to watch porn, if you used to be a drunk, if you used to be an idolater, if you used to be a stripper, I don't care what it was, if you turned into a Christian, then those things are going to start fading away from your life because of the conviction placed on you in the Holy Spirit and that changed life. Instead of doing those things that either glorified yourself or were sins or were selfish ambitions, you are now going to want to glorify the Father. Now, I want you to be careful with this because a lot of people will take this as, oh my gosh, it's a snap change instant thing. You know, I heard a wonderful testimony from a person who used to be a homosexual and they went to church on a bet. Uh, they went to church and it was supposed to be a big joke. And 
they went there and they got saved and their life was never the same after that. They never engaged in homosexual activity again after that, according to what their testimony said. Not everybody's like that. Some people are, but other people will will take time. It will be a process. Just like me when I was saved. And if you're saved, I'm sure if you look back at your life, you'll see this too. Uh, You know, all those things I said that fell away, like, you know, I... I'm in the army. I used to have a very bad habit of swearing all the time. That went away, but it didn't just go away overnight. It went away over, you know, about a month or two. Um, before I was saved, I used to like to watch pornography. I'm being straight up real with you. I stopped that. That was one of actually those instant changes that, that completely stopped. <laughs> um, another thing I used to love to get drunk. I didn't just stop drinking alcohol right away. That was something that took took a little bit longer over time for me to do, but I was definitely convicted about it. So I want you to be careful in, in, in thinking that this is going to be an instant change. Can it happen that way? Absolutely. But sometimes it takes time as God is pruning us. God is pulling out the weeds in our life so that we can continue to grow and bear fruit. So don't tell me that... You can be a professing, believing Christian and yet have no outward signs whatsoever. This gets into the topic of the carnal Christian. And I believe I've talked about it here on this show before. And I know I've talked about it in a few sermons that I've preached. But the carnal Christian is essentially the person who professes a belief in Christ, but yet has no outward signs of it. Let's go ahead and see if that's actually biblical or not. And I want to use a specific case that's found in the Bible and probably one of the most looked at cases here when it comes to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to break it down. So it says here, it is actually reported. This is the Apostle Paul writing, by the way, to the church in Corinth. He says, it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. An immorality of such kind that does not even exist among the Gentiles. That someone has his father's wife. Stop right there if, if you're wondering what's going on. Paul is saying that, hey, there it has been told to me that there is some nasty stuff going on in your church with one of your members. Something that's so nasty that you don't even see pagans doing it. Somebody is sleeping with their mother. Maybe it could have been this stepmother, but it doesn't really get specific on that. But somebody essentially is sleeping with his father's wife, which, you know, more than likely is his mother. Why he labeled it his father's wife, that's why a lot of people believe it could have been his stepmother. Regardless, whether it's his mother or stepmother, it's still disgusting and it's still wrong and it's still not something that should have been done. And Apostle Paul is addressing this here. Verse 2, he says, You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though I am absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged him who has committed this, as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may yet be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. All right, stop right there. So, Essentially, like I said, what we have going down is a man is sleeping with his mother or his mother-in-law, depending on what you think. And Apostle Paul is saying like, hey, look, this person right here, one, you should have kicked him out and you should be sad about this. But instead, you haven't done anything about it. This is ridiculous. 
So Apostle Paul took matters in his own hands and said, this person needs to be removed from you and I am handing him over to Satan. That's a that's huge. He is handing him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit, this is key right here, so that his spirit may yet be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So obviously taking this, we don't have the entire story. We don't know this entire man's life. But here's a person who is a self-professing Christian saying that he uh, that, that is committing a sin. A sin that he should know better, that, that, by the way, the Apostle Paul is writing, this person should know better and know that this is a sin. So Apostle Paul pretty much says, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Destruction of the flesh, what's that? That's normally referring to death, saying this person is no earthly good to the kingdom. He needs to die so that his soul can go ahead and be with the Lord Jesus. So it sounds on the surface that this person is actually saved, but yet living an unchanged life. So what happened to this person? And this is key. They died. They did not go on living the rest of their natural life. They were useless to God here. Now, whether or not this person was actually a Christian, we truly don't know. We can only assume that he was based on the inspired words of the Apostle Paul. But this is probably one of the very few reports that you see about the carnal Christian. Now, what I definitely don't want some people to do is be, well, I must be one of those carnal Christians because I believe, but uh, I definitely don't feel convicted about anything. Hey, man, you might as well do what the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians and examine yourself. And I keep referencing that. Let's go ahead and just read that out loud. If you want to know where to find it, you can go ahead and find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 starting at verse 5, and it reads like this. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail the test. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do not do wrong, not that we ourselves may appear approved, but that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you be made complete. For this very reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present, I need not to use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. So in other words, he's telling the Corinthian church here, like, hey guys, uh, if, if you want a little background on the Corinthian church, they were not known as the uh, best church there was. Uh, definitely very worldly, very fleshly. And he pretty much ends his letter in 2 Corinthians 13, the second letter that he wrote there. Well, thor- third, depending. We, we, uh, we know he wrote a third letter. We just don't know which one it was, if it was before all these or after in the middle somewhere. But essentially, it took him three letters to write these people explaining all these horrible things that they were doing. Most of the time in Corinthians, it's not he's not talking very great about them for the most part. It's usually a rebuke or usually telling them, you, got, you guys got to check yourselves. And here at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, he tells them, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. You got to examine yourselves because your lives are not lining up the way that they should be as a Christian. If your life 
is going to, if you are professing Christ and you are in Christ, then there should be a change in your life. Otherwise, how else do you examine yourself? Man, it's just so plainly obvious to me that a true Christian will have a changed life. And if that rare case happens where someone was a true believer, or I won't say was because once you believe, God will cause you to persevere and you'll stay believing till the end. Even if you do fall away and get tangled up into the trap of sin, you're going to die. God's going to take you from this earth before your natural death, if you will. I think the Bible is pretty clear on that. And there's a lot of studying that you need to do on there. Like I said, don't take my word for it. Do your studies. Read through this. Examine these different parts. Find different texts. Cross-reference. But essentially, what I am saying is a true Christian will have evidence of their Christianity outwardly shown. And that doesn't mean that we are earning our salvation or continuing to earn our salvation. Salvation comes through grace by faith, period. By grace through faith. Oh, sorry about that. Salvation comes by grace through faith, period. That is it. Belief in Jesus. It goes back to uh, what a lot of people are saying. What is the will of the Father? Back to our Matthew 7 reference. What is the will of the Father? Obviously, the will of our Father is to believe in the Son. And when you believe in the Son, you're going to want to follow through with that by obeying the Son. Because if you believe in the Son but you don't do anything he says? Do you truly believe in him? Do you truly trust him? That's the question that we have to come ask ourselves. So, yes, uh, I know this might have been a little bit of a long episode and it all started from a TikTok conversation, but uh, don't be discouraged. Like I said, when it goes back to the TikTok thing, if you want to get a TikTok and use it for ministry purposes, by all means, do it. Just one, make sure you're prepared, have some thick skin, uh, because there's some people who are going to look to tear you down, especially people who call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ. And two, make sure you do not get wrapped up in a lot of these out-of-context false theologies. Back everything up with what people are saying with Scripture, as just as you should do in real life. If someone spits out a verse and gives a short 30-second to one-minute video on what that verse means, don't just take their word. Go back and read it for yourself. All right, y'all. That's all we got for today's episode. I hope y'all have a wonderful one. Uh, I got to go out to the field tomorrow and it'll be back out there for another week. So it's going to be a nice long time, but I'm going to try right now letting you in behind the scenes a little bit to record another episode to upload. So that way y'all won't be waiting for too long. I appreciate everything y'all do. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you do, Lord. And I pray that whatever we do, we are glorifying you, Lord, as we read your word and we talk about your word. But we, I pray, Lord, for unity in the spirit, that we could just come together and unify, even though we have some differences, Lord, and we might read things differently, that we would just come together, love each other, understand each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. To your glory alone, in your will alone, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time.